These are probably supposed to be served cold. I yes, think. the cocktails are supposed to be served cold, Jason. No, I mean pre-ice. No, so the glass bottle ones you're supposed to pour over ice, and that's why they're higher alcohol content than the aluminum can right. ones. The aluminum cans one would be pretty chill. Is it chill. supposed to be served cold, though, and then poured over ice? Or is it warm and then poured over ice? Mm-hmm. I mean... If it's in a gallon cart, it's going to be cold. Okay. So... Are you saying any more ice? Yeah, my ice all melted already. Um, oh, you're recording. You're already recording. You're going to put this in the intro, aren't you? Yes. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Welcome to Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm your host, Jason Rabinowitz, here with guest Seth Miller. And we have uh, the Chief snack, chief Interflight Snacks Officer for PaxX.Aero also in the room, who refuses to participate, so that's unfortunate. Um, coming to you from Hamburg, Germany, where we have just wrapped up yet another Aircraft Interiors Expo. Uh, the annual show that used to be in April and is now in May or June, June because June. like I have any clue anymore. But uh, yeah, as we used to do back in the day, we have done this like going to trade show thing, and now Jason and I, and potentially our CISM later, if I can convince her, um, if she has a couple more drinks, uh, will join for a bit of conversation, talk about what's new in the industry, what's coming down the pike, and what's fun. So uh, with that, Jason. What's new in the industry? What's coming down the pike? What's fun? We're back. First show since 2019, since obviously 2020 and 2021 got canceled unceremoniously. What's new? Um, a lot of companies spent the last two and a half years in an R&D bunker, and we're coming out swinging with their newest, latest, greatest, which we don't always see at this show. I know we were talking in the past where there wasn't much new, there wasn't much shiny to look at. Um, it's sticking out on the top of my head, Avio Interiors coming out hard with some funky seating products. So bright orange covers certainly attracts attention, but so does weird, unique shapes and styles. And these are guys that are infamous for the Sky Rider, which is no longer being displayed, thank goodness, thank the saddle seat that was never going to fly. But they had a couple interesting new concepts. They had some, I'll say more normal concepts, some nice products that they've sold over the years to many people that look normal. But one of them was a sort of like hammock-ish kind of thing? Generously a hammock, yeah. It was basically a metal wire frame, a a metal frame of a seat, which they quite literally slung a seat covering over, and there was a little metal base and a very small piece Like a four-inch wide headrest. And then like maybe a half-inch, maybe an inch thick on a good day piece of foam, which will end up compressed over years to become basically nothing. And that was the seat. It wasn't the lightest thing on the stand, because I had another one that was carbon fiber and way too expensive. I'm sure no one will buy it. But this seat, um, it's simply the, the newest generation of the Skyrider, and that you can actually sit in it, but it's like kind of like a hammock. And if someone behind you wants to kick you in the back, they're going to kick you in the back, and there's going to be nothing to stop them uh, from actually hitting your back rather than the seat back. And they say... But he said they're going to try to certify it. That they've gone through some of the process, that it has passed some certification hurdles they did not think it would, which is a little frightening that they would admit that. But uh, hopefully not coming to an airline near you, and if it does, I would assume it will end up on the lowest of the lowest ultra-low-cost carriers somewhere, I don't even know what region would accept this. Yeah. That was an interesting one. Um... What other seats? I think the uh, 
they, they also had a weird, not weird, a unique approach to economy class seating that like either a two by two or a three, three layout or two, three, two or whatever, where the seats could have a like sky couch flip up in between uh, the rows and the seat backs could hinge and like rotate laterally and sort of create an angle. Uh, it almost was, like a herringbone layout. Like the next generation of, of Sky Couch, which wasn't all that popular with airlines. A few of them picked it up, uh, started at Air New Zealand. I think Air China got a whole bunch of airlines. Did, yeah. uh, never really made it all that far in the market. But this was, I like the concept of taking a couple seats, but this is multiple rows that you have to combine into one. And then it's a lot of bulky moving parts that have to go in the right order. And I... It's a little too complex, in my opinion, to ever see the light of day. Yeah. Um, along those same lines, similar concept of sort of premium. This is more premium economy than economy, but uh, the butterfly seat, which has been around for many years, has a new version, uh, much closer to production. I think he said it's still not quite the production version, but and this is one where it's a two-two layout. They're slightly staggered. Oh, I and if you you can, but you can sell it like two-two as a premium economy, and if you want to sell it as a somewhat lay-down business class seat, there's a, an option for that as well. I think it would be more like economy plus converting into premium economy kind of thing. But yeah, I laid down in and sort of fit. Yeah. Uh, if you want to sleep on your side or, or yeah. curled up a little bit, it works. It is certainly better than today's premium economy, which is just the seat that reclines a little bit more and a little wider. You, it's still very difficult to sleep in those seats. Was it Safran that showed us a premium economy that actually felt like a premium economy seat? They did. The one with the thingy that flipped out and became a thing? That or? was the neck rest. Yeah. That, there was that one. Who was the one that showed us the one that had the... Uh... Well, Recaro. No, and the curved descent thing was a business class seat, so that was a yeah. business class. One of the others. Yeah. There, there were a couple that there that are now being sold as premium economy seats that aren't just here's two inches wider and a couple more inches of pitch that they're trying to make a little more actually feel premium, which is nice. But um, seats are seats. There's some stuff going on there. So the Finnair seat. Oh right, that was uh, in multiple places at the show this year. That would be air early. air lounge air air sure air lounge maybe. Your couch, I don't know. Not couch. It's just an air seat. It was on this way at the, the Collins booth and at the Airbus booth, even though Airbus really doesn't have anything to do with it, as far as I know. Airbus made the airplanes. They made the, sure, they made the airplanes that it's on. Um, but it, I only had a couple minutes in the seat, but I did get to sit in it. It was comfortable, but I would have to reserve final judgment to after a 10-hour sit in it from Helsinki to JFK or something. Yeah. And I, they admitted that maybe the the middle set, the middle use case between fully upright and laying down, they may yeah. need more thought into the product. And they admitted that. So, yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you might want to admit that to, you know, your dev team before you finish it. But yeah, uh, yeah it, I thought it was a comfortable bed. I am skeptical of sitting in it for an extended period of time. But, um, and one of the advantages it does have is like you move around a lot. Um, while you're sitting, so or I tend to move around, right? So I think one of the one of the vendors said to us, "What's the most comfortable position for a passenger or for a human? It's it's the next one, Never right? Right? So you're always sort of shifting a little bit." So I did like the. Um, it's kind of nice to have that much space, and like I know my wife sits cross-legged in her seat. I think the extra space there would be pretty nice to have, but also who the hell knows? Yeah. So, so those were interesting. Um, Recaro's new seats, the thirty-eight ten. 
this their new pre- their new economy like long haul product. It had been announced. We finally got to sit in it. Yeah, it's reasonably a, comfortable. Yeah, it's, um, it's an economy class yeah. seat. Well, the one thing I'd say they did that was interesting was the uh, front row in flight entertainment integration. Yes, um, if you've ever sat in the bulkhead or first row seat. Um, you've probably on a long flight. You've probably experienced it where the IFE screen is tucked away in the armrest underneath, and it is smaller than everyone else's screen, and it's way too low to the point where you're probably going to hit it with your knee. Um, they have managed to squeeze, I think it was a 14 inch monitor or 13.9 inch yeah. monitor in the uh, armrest, and it's quite a bit high. It's got this very, uh, very well engineered, probably over engineered. Uh, arm that it comes out, it swivels up and then it swivels towards you. And it's, it's yeah, it looks super bulky, but they seem to have done the bulky strength without the weight. It's got springs in it, so it pops into place and then pops back into place. It was well thought out for a pretty niche issue. Yeah, but I, at this point, I feel like the industry probably has to solve the niche issues because the basic stuff is. And then on the other hand, going completely the opposite direction, when we toured the Collins booth. Disclaimer, this is not Collins' decision. They did not decide to do this. This was an airline decision, KLM specifically. We got to sit in the new KLM premium economy seat yes. the dreaded USB port of doom. Has it been using the internal mic? Oh, it's just been using the outside mic. Oh, okay. Now we're using the internal mic. Okay. Well, the audio quality might have just changed there, but um, here we go. Okay, hopefully that sounds better, because I am nowhere near the phone. Uh, but it's transcribing, that's good. It's been transcribing, come on. Okay. Okay. This is the uh, the audio quality and the engineering gear listeners expect. God, I hope not. Nah, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, uh, KLM Premium Economy Seat. A couple weeks ago, the internet kind of scalded this for. They put the USB A and C port on the the side of the seat facing your thigh or leg, and we all thought this is going to be bad because it's going to be digging into your thigh, or you're going to move and you're going to snap it off. And yeah. It, I think it's actually worse in person than I thought it would be. And it's uh, it was a customer decision, a bad customer decision, and one that's going to probably lead to malfunctioning USB ports for the next 15 years. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, but choices have been made. And regrettably, when choices are made in this industry, they, they tend to stick for a very long time. Yeah. Also in the Collins booth, one of the cooler things I think we saw in the sort of funky, weird, different category... Uh, they had this product that they're calling Igloo, which is I G L U, which is an acronym for something that they, the guy who was presenting it to us didn't actually know. Integrated Galley Laboratory Unit, something like that. Um, special Special Extraterrestrial Earthling Counter. Sure. Um, it's an obscure reference that very few people will get. Um, the but if you do get it, let me know seriously. Uh, it may be a secret extraterrestrial Earthling Counter. Um, the Igloo is a way to separate the rear galley from passengers. And so the problem, you know, the use case there is that passengers, after the flight, the flight attendants sort of retreat back into the rear galley. They're cleaning up or they're having their meal or whatever. And passengers go back and interact with them and get in the way. And to, in order to sort of prevent that from happening, the uh, Igloo has a built-in snack cart that is in the wall of the galley area, and at the appropriate time, the flight attendants can slide it out, and it creates a countertop. It has shelves in it with all the snacks loaded. 
the basic idea is that the passengers get self-service access to fun things and can not involve, not sort of interrupt the, the flight attendants. There's a, a narrow space that you can slide by, but it is obvious that you're not supposed to. Um, so that's sort of for crew to get in and out. There's also an option for uh, carts can slide under it because it's the right height because it's built on top of a cart, basically. Um, so if the you know if they need to do a trash service or whatever and run through with a cart, they can do that without having to undo everything. But it's uh, it was interesting. I thought it was you know like I said in the funky category. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was also one of those things that's off to the side, not included in the tour that catches our eye and we're like I want I want to go play with that. Yeah, and, and some engineer is happy to pop out from the back and say, oh, you spotted my fun thing back here. Yeah, there's I saw one of them. I saw a mirror that had an integrated like video display in it. Hmm. From one of the companies, that was interesting. I saw that right at the end. Um, what else was fun? What else did we see that was vaguely interesting? Uh, Panasonic has a new entertainment system they called do. Astrova. I remembered it this time. Nice. Uh, it's 4K OLED HDR10 capable. Although, good luck finding an airline that stocks any content higher than like 144p. I don't know. Um, it looks nice. It looks great. Launch customer is, they actually have a launch customer, and it's Qatar 777X, so uh, whenever... Coming to a plane near you in 2045. Yeah, or, or something, eventually. So that looks nice. The, the interesting about that, forget the screen, because content's still going to suck. Um, you're going to notice a difference in that. First of all, it's got a USB-C port that can pump out 67 watts of power, which will charge anything you can throw at it, really, except my stupid 2019 MacBook Pro that needs a 96-watt charger. Um, but it's on something cool. The USB port, the Bluetooth antenna, the buttons are on a little modular bar that's actually underneath the screen. So when technology progresses and USB-C is out of date and we're on whatever's next or they need to upgrade the Bluetooth radio, they can just pop that bar off and pop a new one on rather than have to replace the whole kit. Yeah, and I think they said the the screen and the processor are the expensive bits. The you know the USB port or the or the Bluetooth radio that's in it or those things are relatively cheap. So it's a it's probably a little PCB, a ribbon cable, and yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, th- those are definitely cool um, developments. But uh, you know, it'll be again several years before that's flying, um, which is the way of the world, but always a little sad. Yeah. A um, few more things I'm looking through. I'm looking through the pictures in order. Uh, there is one company trying to defeat Swamp Ass on board airplanes. Yes. They have a, a new version of the anti-Swamp Ass e-leather or whatever. It's it's not e-leather. It it's not is, e-leather. It's, but it's the seat covering material. Right. It's Agata? Agoda? A, A-T-A-G-O. Atago. 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 From Tapas Corporation. Yeah. Um, really nice soft... Uh, this is These are the, uh, the folks that are making... The new seat covers for most U.S. airlines these days, except famously Southwest, who sticks with all genuine leather for some Real reason. Leather. Hey man, there's plenty of cows in Texas. What are you worried about? Moo. Uh, what else? Putting satellite internet on CRJs. Satellite internet on CRJs. So the internet situation is super interesting this year. I feel like uh, the low Earth orbit satellite constellations. You got OneWeb. You got Starlink. The uh, I actually hosted a panel on Monday with four or five different uh, flight internet providers on it and got them to disagree with each other, which is not necessarily easy to do on a panel discussion. So I was pretty proud of that. Uh, but as part of that sort of conversation, one of the interesting things we talked about is like, you know, do the antennas work yet? And for low earth orbit satellites, um, I guess the quick, the quick and dirty primer version is most antennas are on a mechanical gimbal mount. So they spin and whirl and twirl 
and point at the satellite, and they have to constantly adjust because you're on a plane moving 500 miles an hour through the sky. And they have to constantly sort of rotate and pivot, and as the plane rotates and pivots, they have to counter that, so they're, const- they're always pointed in the right direction. The next generation of that is a all-digital, electronically steered, phased array, uh, is the you know, technical term, and it's basically a giant circuit board that acts as an antenna. It has little... Uh, lenses on it that help depending on how they you know control the power of the different bits on the circuit board they send and receive and they can point it without anything moving and the cool thing is nothing moves right it's a circuit board so it's highly reliable um failure modes are much lower the bad news is they're terribly expensive and they make generate a ton of heat by consuming a ton of power and getting them onto and they're getting them onto commercial aircraft has proven very difficult thus far there are a couple of companies that have versions of those that they were showing off. Uh, one of them is Starlink from SpaceX, who obviously certainly have their stuff that works on the ground. They had a version of their antenna that they kept walking around the floor with at the show. It was nice. It was small. It was light. Um, I held, got to hold it and sort of look at it. And they claim they can deliver basically equivalent bandwidth or more from what uh, airlines can get today on this tiny light thing. Some questions about certification process and bits like that, but that is very cool. There's other technology from uh, Stellar Blue, which uses the ball aerospace uh, elements and is working on the OneWeb constellation. There's a lot of different options out there. Um, It's really hard to tell which of these is actually going to get certified first and when it will start flying, but middle, late next year, these might be for real. And one of the nice things about them is they can be sort of coordinated in shape and size to fit on any type of airplane. And so small CRJs that typically have air-to-ground terrible internet today might actually get fast satellite service soon. Maybe. That would be nice. Uh, They're all still, most of them are still rocking the original GoGo ATG equipment from 10 plus years ago. So any improvements would be more than welcome. I mean, that that equipment is, you know what, I'm not going to mention this. It's probably a premium scoop for you on your story. Um, So... Yeah, it it'll, it will be interesting to see what those what happens with those. It's obviously, there's a thousand ish, twelve hundred ish planes that need new internet desperately, and a lot of them are going to get that in the next couple of years. So it's an interesting question of whether it will be this Leo stuff or something else. Um, there's also a new antenna from ThinCom, as long as we're talking about the antennas and the internet stuff, which is not an electronically steered array. It's mechanically steered, but it's Still, sort of some, uh, so there's some physical elements to it, but it's the same antenna that's used for like the 2KU solution, which is pretty good, um, pretty reliable as long as you don't get the icing fluid in it and they figure out how to fix that. So yeah, 2KU still kicking around. And they they even signed a new customer. They signed again. a new customer. Air Canada is going to install 30 more 2KU planes. Imagine that as Delta's readying to rid itself completely of 2KU, another customer is still signing up to take more. Weird. Hey, listen, this now uh, Intel has got plenty of satellite capacity because, you know, Delta walked away. Yeah, just a couple hundred planes. Um, so, yeah, 500 planes disappeared, 30 came back. That's mm-hmm. Good good metrics. Oh, I got the next thing to talk about. The uh, Saffron booth today. All the the things that you don't sit on or interact with, but the crew does. Oh, yes, yes. What you looking at at the There's window a there? gorgeous plane taking off out of Hamburg right now, or maybe out of Finky. I'm not sure. Let's see. If only there were an app for that. Uh, uh, it's an A380. I thought it looked The funny. Emirates A380. Interesting. Uh, the Hamburg departure back to Dubai? Mm-hmm. Okay. A little, little dead air there, but uh, I saw the Beluga XL yesterday from Ooh. the ferry. That was nice, off in the distance. 
Yeah, sorry, yeah. it was very big and very slow, which would describe an A380 taking off, which yes. makes a lot of sense. Um, the Saffron. stuff that you don't sit on. Yes, there was this one uh, Crystal Cabinet Award, actually, it's already in service. Uh, Saffron's new six-hour flame-resistant uh, LD3 container, I think. Oh, um, it's an LD3, yeah. Cargo yeah, container. Cargo container. It's the thing that has the other things in it that you put under the uh, in the belly of the aircraft. It uses some new materials, aluminum, I think, or are treated aluminum. They treat the aluminum specially to help uh, it resist the heat, and they have a different uh, material that they use, I think, for the door, and they, the way that the door is up, because it's like a fabric door or canvas door that like flips up and flips down, and yeah. they can get bags in and out of it, or cargo in and out of it. But the way that it seals is different to help contain a fire. Yeah, there's the, uh, I was impressed by this, I know you hate coffee. But the uh, very impressive espresso maker, they can make two cups of espresso at once, which is apparently a world first. Or an espresso and a macchiato. Yes, or an espresso and a cappuccino, or an espresso and a latte, or any combination of it. There are many, many combinations. The two two wide fancy coffee maker with sort of presets of what all the things would be is pretty neat. Right, it's basically your hotel breakfast area. Coffee maker has a reservoir of milk that it can actually create the the entire beverage itself. So if you want a latte, it does the espresso and then it does the foam and all that. Uh, traditionally today, you just have like the little steamer thing and the flight attendant has to make the milk. Flight attendants are not baristas. So they're, some of them I'm sure know how to make a damn good cup of uh, a latte or whatever, but most are probably minimally trained on it. In this case, the machine does it all for them, and it's really quite cool. And they apparently went to study abroad in Italy in some town I couldn't pronounce. Uh, They went to, like, the University of Coffee. Right, to figure out the exact distance that they should have the little uh, espresso cup sit from the spout so they get the exact amount of, I guess, head on the coffee. Pretty interesting. They may have made that up, and it sounds nice, but I bet they actually did do that. Yeah, the interspace was the premium economy thing that I want to talk about, which is in the Saffron. It's an option on the Saffron seats. And this is a basically a flip-out vertical mini little wall, maybe six, eight inches wide, that if you're in a premium economy seat, you can pull this out. And so even if you're not against the side of the airplane, or even if you are in a window seat, typically premium economy is too far from the plane sidewall, so you can't lean against the side. Right. Um, admittedly, it doesn't go sort of past the edge of the seat so you don't get the width, but it's a way it has a way to uh, have something to lean against while you're trying to sleep in either an aisle or window seat and a little bit of privacy. But for me, mo- the value of proposition there is really something to lean against. Two more things I want to talk about. Please. Uh, toilets and things that suck other liquids out of the galley. I thought this was very cool. Um, tell me about the toilet at the Saturn. And this is not a new product. They have no, this is not like a new product. 10,000 of them out there. 10,000 in service, but the toilet is much more modular than the old design. So you're, if you think back to sort of old aircraft and what toilets look like, it's a stainless steel bowl, um, all one piece. It doesn't look very nice typically, and it's complex, and it turns out a pain to clean and a pain to service. And if anything breaks, they basically have to replace the whole unit. Uh, Safran has a much more modular solution, and it's got a... Uh, you know, molded plastic bowl instead of the metal. It's got a bunch of separate components for all the things that typically break. And the most interesting part, though, is the because of the way the piping is on the plane, there's a left toilet and a right toilet. And if it breaks, you need to replace it with a left toilet or a right toilet because the piping comes off differently. And Safran figured out how to make the piping uh, fle- uh, it's not flexible. It actually rotates and flips. 
And so if you have a left toilet, you flip it one way. And if you have a right toilet, you flip it the other. And that is much better because you only need one skew, one part, to replace either toilet. Yeah. And I said to the uh, guy demoing it to us, wow, the uh, engineer who designed this must have been really pleased with himself because it's a really simple solution for a complex problem. And he goes, oh, thank you. I was the one who developed that. Wow. They usually don't send the people who build the things to the actual show to talk to us. Yeah. So that that was a, a fun little bit. Um, what else that sucks then that you don't sit on? The Noodle Sucker. Oh, the Noodle Sucker. <laughs> the Noodle Sucker 3000. <laughs> um, Wagyu? What, Wagyu? They had another acronym name to it. This is another trash thing. So it turns out that airlines will take... Uh, I didn't know any of those. Okay. So regulated trash is a big deal on international flights. If you land with garbage, it has to be incinerated. Uh, well, that I do. And so, well, setting the stage for our listeners. Um, and that's expensive. But if you have stuff in the toilet tank, that's basically free. What do you say? Like 10 bucks a pop? He's like 50 bucks down. Whatever. Like, I have no idea how much those companies charge, but let's assume it's much cheaper than burning it. Um, and probably better for the environment in some ways. And so, if you can flush liquids from the galley into the toilet dump instead of into trash bags, that's good. And so they have a bunch of different options for that. But one of the, the, the super interesting thing that Jason's talking about here is a concept that you want to be able to take soups and other soft liquids, um, like noodles. Like if you're on cafe and you get a bowl of ramen or something. Yeah. Um, if they can run that into the waste tank of the toilet instead of into a garbage can, they can save a lot of money. And so... They actually have a unit that is one like looks like a box that go like one of the many boxes that just goes into a galley um, insert whatever. But on the back, it's got a vacuum tube and uh, some electronics and whatnot. And when they uh, they can open the door, sort of on the front, it sort of flips open. They can dump stuff in it. They close it, push the button, or maybe it automatically and it basically flushes. flushes. And it basically is like flushing a toilet. But they and they had a video showing it off where the guy the part you know, the one poured a couple of glasses of soda in. And then a bowl of ramen, and then a bowl of rice, and then a coffee pouch, actually, like the paper, uh, Degra- degradable. Yeah, the, whatever pouch, that they yeah. brew coffee with. Even was able to put that in it, and it was up the, it was small enough that it didn't clog the pipe. So it was a, you skipped the best part that I did not know. Uh, today, a lot of galleys have basically a thing where the flight attendants, they pour liquids into. It takes up a lot of counter space, which they don't like because they need that counter space. But what I did not know is what happens to that liquid where it goes. It leaves the aircraft. Um, you, they pour, they basically, they can't pour solids out this, but they pour wine or, I guess, clear soups or liquid soda, whatever. They pour it down the drain and it actually goes out of the aircraft onto the belly. And they were describing. This is sometimes why you see streaks of different colors on the belly of the airplane, because they pour red wine down the drain, and red wine exits the aircraft out of the bottom. I did not know that was a thing. This is, you said this is not the case on uh, the 787, which I guess has a, a different mechanism for this, but most aircraft, it just dumps that straight out of the belly in flight. And they had one customer that asked that they have that stuff get stored in the lab tanks. Right. So that's the part that he was showing us. That was one of the, That's why we added that. Yeah. Some really... Weird behind-the-scenes fun, interesting bits there. Um, we also were fortunate to spend a couple hours in the catering hall. We may be enjoying some of that still right now. We are drinking some of the many things that they gave us, literally, like, forced upon us as we were walking through the halls. Um, some of it, some of it we asked for. Um, my chief in-flight snacks officer continues to shake her head at me, so she will not be joining this conversation, even though she had very smart insights 
um, and was very well informed on the topic because she spent more time over there than we did. But um, paper cutlery is a thing. Yes, it's a thing. And today I discovered that uh, you've used a spork before. I have right? used a spork before. And you've used on, maybe on Aer Lingus, the Nifoon, I called it, which is a knife and a spoon in one. But they have one-upped it and have developed a knife, spoon, fork in one made of wood. It is an all-in-one object. Not made of wood. Not of no, I think this one was made of wood. They have it. They're just called paper straws. They have some wood material. Also, I have a picture of it, and this one I I think is maybe it is paper. I don't know. Paper. They had some wooden things as well, but uh, I don't believe it. What do you call a knife, fork, spoon combo unit? Amazing. Amazing. Is that uh, I don't know, but that's <laughs> yeah coming to an airline near you. Maybe if they were able to actually sell that's it to anyone. Yeah, no, it's was interesting. Like we all. I think had sort of some of the same concerns, like how long are these going to last? Are they coated? Like how does it work? They're not coated. Nope. It's uh, a nine-layer paper uh, laminate with biodegradable glues, um, but you can't see the layers. Um, they can make them basically any color you want. So there's some options for branding and different sizes and shapes of the different types of tools. So if you want a spoon, you want a spork, you want a Asian noodle soup spoon that has a sporkish like. You're sort of the bigger dumpling bucket in it, but also like sporky bits off the tip that you can swirl noodles around, which isn't Asian as far as I know, but what the hell. Um, they had some really interesting size and shape. They had mini ones that were like snapped together, so they were much smaller. Um, it, it was just, again, there's companies that make everything that goes on an airplane and everything that doesn't go on airplanes yet, but they want it to. And it's always fun to see some of the innovation and interesting ideas that those companies are coming up with. There's Lots of different ways to put alcohol on board the aircraft, be it in a so can or a small glass bottle or in a tube. or the Tubes of booze. <laughs> that, that's new this year, I feel like. And it's plastic. That makes sense. Ready to enjoy contains one to two cocktails, aromatic and intense, 30% alcohol by volume. Uh, oh, Balls Genevieve barrel-aged liquor. Um, we may be enjoying some of that right now. We are, in fact, 200 mil. Oh, five cent deposit in Maine and Vermont. Well, right, well, bring it home. That's not no. Iowa's five cents. Maine and Vermont's fifteen cents. Bring it home. See if you can cash it in. Park in the Netherlands. I can take this home, drive across the border, and that's illegal, son. Hey, listen, they won't catch me. I'll take a mail truck. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay, Newman. Uh, um, yeah, there's lots of. Inter- I think it's more. It, it's the same but different because it, it works the same on both sides, but. On the catering side, we talked about this a little bit. You, the airlines go around; they they go to an individual vendor to select the the person selling the pot pie, and then they take their order for thirty thousand pot pies per month, and they go to the catering facility to say, "Integrate my pot pie order onto this tray. I want thirty thousand of these trays per month." And then you have to integrate the tray into the napkin people, and then it's it's way more complex than you would ever really yeah. think. And the good news is the catering companies often handle. That complexity, like the, excuse me, the paper spoons guy, um, the paper straw and silverware guy basically said, I asked him if they were selling to any airlines. He name dropped some that he probably shouldn't have, but that's cool. And then uh, mentioned, though, that the real key is getting one of the catering companies on board, because if they can get a catering company on board, they the catering company sell it for them. will sell it for them, right? The catering company will, you know, an LSG Sky Chefs or whoever else will be like, Gate Gourmet, whatever, will say, hey... Do you want the paper forks or do you want the plastic forks? We have this as an option. It costs X. That one costs Y. These are the pros and cons. The, the airline can come in and try them out as part of and see it. And, oh, by the way, we can brand the fork and knife to be your colors or whatever it is. Um, 
there's definitely some value there. So it was interesting. That's really what they're hoping for. But it's sort of the reason that no one likes to talk to us when we come in. In prior years, no one liked having us on the catering side because we weren't airlines looking to buy things. We weren't catering companies looking to buy things. We were just freeloaders looking for snacks and lunch and drinks. Um, and we got it this year. But this year they came out of like literally came out of their booths to hand us things. Please take yeah. this because they don't want to pack it up and take it home, which is reasonable. Yeah, but you won. Um, but they also, fun. most of the folks I talked to over there did say that uh, Tuesday and Wednesday were pretty busy for them, but Thursday was not. So, a little bit quieter of a show. Um, anything else you want to talk about that was interesting or useful? As Looking opposed at, to the, the idea that any of this was interesting or useful? I mean, it was all interesting and useful to us. Um, those are the main things. Yeah. Um, it's still the thing where you got to wait. Most of, for most of the cool stuff, you've really got to wait a couple of years before... It even hits the first aircraft, and you got to wait years beyond that to see it on a, an aircraft coming near you. Yeah. But we saw some really cool stuff. <gasps> what? The tray table insert. The, the insertable tray table from Recaro. Oh, Recaro. So yeah. we talked about this on the podcast a little while ago. Um, and when we talked about it, this is a little awkward. We talked about it because I saw a tweet about it. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I went to write a story about it, and they had deleted the tweet. Yeah, and, they kind of got shamed a bit. And I'm not sure what's up with that. But... The idea here is that you have a seat that, and it's very, very concept. It's not even close to actually flying. So don't. I think it was 3D printed even. It wasn't even yeah. like beyond that stand. point. Yeah. Um, so the idea here is that the seat back, instead of having a tray table that, you know, has the little switch that you flip and it flips out and whatever, um, has a slot. And there's a couple pegs inside the slot that are machined in that help with holding it in place. But you have a slot that the tray table would go into and you have effectively... Calling a, it a tray table is a bit... A generous. drink holder. Yeah. And then you have this drink holder that is essentially, um, in this case, a 3D printed plasticky thing, but it, it sort of slides in pivots and locks into place, and mostly locked into place, but it's removable. And the idea there is that it is even lighter than the lightest of mediocre tray tables, and you only have to put it out where people are using it. So maybe it's only on people who ordered meals, maybe it's, you know, people order drinks, maybe passengers have to request it. Um, if you're a low-cost carrier and you pre-sell most of your uh -uh. food. Ultra low-cost carrier. And you pre-sell most of your food, you know how many of them you need, so you can sort of stock them in the galley cart and, like, give it to the passenger as you give them their tray. I'm food. not even sure that's the use case. I think it's, it's straight up cup holder. And I, I don't see how you could put a tray of food on that and not have, and have it not bounce back at you every time you try to jab some food. Or snap every time you try to cut a piece right. of food. Yeah, I, I, think no, I have some concern about that also. For an airline that most passengers are probably never going to open the tray table, and those that do, they're probably only getting a cup of water, a cup of orange juice, or some warm, gross soda on their flight between Seoul and Jeju Island. I don't know. Or probably not even that high frequency and that popular. Like... A, a, from an airline that doesn't even sell food, only has drinks, that I could see it being useful. As long as this doesn't become like a, a yeah. single-use, buy it and take it home with you thing. I mean, at that point, why wouldn't you just have a no-trade table airline and have the little flip-out cup holder that's integrated in right. ways about the same? or ways Because it doesn't add much weight overall to the... Like, it probably doesn't add any weight relative to the mechanical of having the mount. Right. The mount has extra weight to it. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with you that... It may be a solution in search of a problem. Yeah. But it was interesting. It's something you show off at the show. Yeah. And maybe it goes somewhere. Probably doesn't. But hey, maybe uh, Vietjet wants to offer it. I don't know. 
Well, we'll have to go back to Vietnam and find out. One day. One of these days. Um, that's the only other interesting thing I had I can, that I can think of um, and that I took pictures of. So, on that note, then, uh, you can find Jason on the internet at Airline Flyer. That's me. Um, F-L-Y-E-R? Yes. Yes. Um, because people still fly. Hey, we numbers. had that debate with Cranky Flyer. Who's right? Who's wrong? We're both right. Go figure. And both wrong. Um, Pork Knuckle, Shrine Haxon is still delicious. Miniature Wonderland coming up next. Miniature Wonderland coming up next. You're on, we're on our way there. Um, you can get more, uh, or you can leave us feedback at Dots Lines on Twitter or moredotsmorelines.com. You can let, let us know what you think. And on that note, we're out. Take care. Bye-bye.